How's it going? I'm Mark Jorgensen, the host and creator of the MarkCast podcast. Uh, just a little bit of news, uh, an update for uh, frequent listeners or first-time listeners. Um, so a lot of the podcasts I've done, uh, at least a few of the people that I've done podcasts with, they've gone on to uh, start their own podcast now. I'm at that level where people are now going off that I've interviewed, they're going off and starting their own thing. Um, so Chuck Armstrong, he's a comedian that I interviewed a few months back, um, had a really great long episode with him. Uh, he started his own podcast and it's really funny. And so I'd recommend that a lot to you if you're into comedy and that kind of thing. Uh, another guy, a musician named Jerry Fenn, I had a great interview with him. Um, he got interviewed by a radio station uh, out in Long Beach. Uh, he's based in Southern California. So it's kind of like I'm the beginning phase for <laughs> bigger stuff, which I, of course, I'm fine with, you know, as long as uh, people remember me, you know, when they're going off doing their thing. They remember they got their start on the MarkCast, <laughs> and I get, I get full credit. Uh, just kidding. Um, it, it's really cool to see how... People are doing great things and how this podcast is maybe uh, helping people, you know, kind of formulate, you know, a, a future interviews that they do and, uh, you know, help them start their own kind of thing or get going further with their own thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm just happy to speak with interesting people. And uh, I've been very happy with all the guests that I've had on so far and glad to see that they're doing uh, interesting things afterwards. So um, with that, I just want to introduce Andrea Tree. Um, Andrea Tree is someone I've known for a couple of years here in D.C. Um, she's a very interesting, very artistic uh, person. She does uh, a thing with art therapy. She's a counselor. She helps you know teenagers and adults um, with counseling sessions professionally. Um, and she's kind of an artist in her own life, and she has this new project she's doing, um, which a documentary that she actually wrote herself, a screenplay for a documentary. Uh, or excuse me, I think it's just a regular a film. So it's a movie uh, based on um, the foster care system and kind of going into the uh, how it needs to be changed and sort of how difficult uh, it is uh, to be in that system. And so um, we talk about a lot of stuff. This is... Definitely one of the most interesting conversations I've had. Um, it was very fulfilling to, to talk about a lot of things. We get into like just relationships and life and all kinds of things. Um, so I really hope you enjoy it. There is a part uh, about halfway or a little towards the end of the interview where um, she psychoanalyzes me based upon the drawing, uh, a little sketch that I make of picking an apple off a tree. That was a fascinating little bit, two-minute little bit. So I recommend that part. Um, it's about halfway towards the end. So uh, other than that, um, Joy, remember you can listen to the MarkCast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course. And so uh, share the word with friends. Uh, it helps. Andrea, Andrea, you grew up in Michigan. That is correct. What was that like? It's a great place. Yeah? Suburban life, Kalamazoo, where Derek Jeter grew up. That's my claim to fame. That's your Kalamazoo? That's like western Michigan. Yeah, southwest Michigan. So it's like three, four hours from Detroit or so? About Five. that, yep. Cool. And then, um, so you grew up... In Michigan, and then what's that your story? You moved, you, how'd you end up in D.C.? We're in D.C. right now, and how'd, how'd you get here? George Washington brought me here. George Washington? Yes. Okay, cool. Great man, I just wanted to follow his footsteps, so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
His university, I heard about the George Washington University Art Therapy Program, and I was really impressed with it and saw that it was one of the first universities that was credentialed to give an art therapy degree. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the pioneers had influence at that school. Pioneers. Pioneers of art therapy. Oh, really? Okay, cool. And like, so what is art, art therapy? It's basically like, I mean, it's like therapy like for people who are having difficulties in life or whatever. You, you do mostly youth, right? It's mostly youth and yes. I guess adults Correct. as well. Um, but it's, it's like instead of talking about it or trying to do kind of counseling techniques, it's people draw and make stuff. and Absolutely. It's in combination. So there's art therapy assessments that might talk but it's more allowing the client to draw and they give specific directives of what to do but some of those directives are open-ended so the directive might be draw whatever comes to mind and uh, it works i guess right, <laughs> I mean, right? it works <laughs> yes it's another way to communicate about emotional distress emotional challenges yeah. Um, well, I mean, music works. I mean, I think a lot. Of, I know a lot of people. Um, I, I play guitar. A lot of people play guitar at this stage. You know, if you're still playing guitar in your 30s, it's probably just. Um, it's more for fun. You know, you're not going to be a rock star, but you know, it's just more for fun. Just to. Um, and it's kind of a. I guess it's therapeutic. You could say. Most definitely. You know, it's yes. A little bit similar. Along the I, I guess. How did you get that? Were your parents artists, or did you grow up doing arts? Was that a thing for you? I did, actually. I grew up doing art, and it's just something that came to me more than anything. I, there's, to draw? What, what did you do growing up? I just became interested in doing ceramics, actually. Something really drew me to the Potter's Wheel. It just seems like a really sexy kind of... That movie Ghost, right? Yeah, it was all about ghosts. Ghosts, that movie where, like, because they, they're doing, they're making, like, the pot or whatever. Exactly. Actually, I never saw the movie, but I, I mean, there's that... That's where it all <laughs> came from, romanticized, sensationalized of pottery, but uh, yeah, so I was fascinated. There's this art institute, so it was always extracurricular, actually, not within school. There's mm -hmm. this Kalamazoo Institute of Art. I started taking ceramic classes. So, but you do, so you're doing it like in high school and like middle school you were doing high school. you were doing this stuff. Yeah. And did, did your parents were they supportive? Or yes, it? very much so. My my mom was because I just needed an outlet and she was supportive of it. However, financially it was difficult for her, so I was really lucky. She found the funds for my first class, but then they liked me there, and I kept submitting the work that I created during their classes and got scholarships. So. It's hard. It's expensive yeah, stuff, right? Because you make a mistake, is. it's like you gotta do the whole thing over again, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Basically. not costly with the clay. You just start over. That's more frustrating. But materials can be expensive. The classes. So. Yeah, you gotta buy the clay and yeah. all the people. Well, like the models to come in, you have to pay them, and so these classes aren't cheap, yeah. right? It's no, like a, it's like exactly. a tough process. Yeah. Well, like, what, so your mom supported. Would, would your what, what did your parents do? What were what were they? What was their occupations? I actually didn't have my father around. At, he wasn't. Your no. parents got divorced? Yes, around age nine. They separated, and by age ten, my father had been killed in a car accident, so it was a single mom with eight kids. Oh, I remember that. No, he, no, he died in Europe, right? He died in Europe. In a car accident, because your parents had planned to take this trip together around the world, and then after your parents got split up, he went solo. 
And then he died after a few months. Correct. Or, yeah. Wow. So I hadn't heard from him. He just disappeared for a year, and we got random postcards from different parts, mostly Europe. So one month it'd be France, another it'd be Scotland. It just varied. He was all over. But yeah, his place of death was Turkey. My mom got a call from the wow. Turkish government and was like, are you the wife of blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, wow. so we never had closure. It was tough. I mean, did, he st- did his body stay in Turkey? or? Did Luckily, we were really blessed that they did transport his body back to the U.S., so we were able to bury him okay. with his family in Salt Lake. Wow. Yeah. So your dad passed away when you were 10, and then did you have siblings, too, like your brothers and sisters, or was it just you and your mom? Oh uh, No, I have a lot of siblings, a huge family. I yeah. have, there are eight of us in total. Are you the oldest? Or like the, I'm not. The I'm the middle? sixth out of the eight. Number six, okay. Yeah. So kind, kind of a middle, kind, sort of. Middle older, older, middle, okay. Had to yeah. go into art to like make something of myself, get attention. Right, right. The oldest, yeah, you couldn't be like a doctor, a lawyer, the oldest child. In the middle, you're like, you got to def- yeah, do the right. art thing. And so, so what, what did your other siblings end up doing with it? Um, my oldest sister is a family practitioner. She always wanted to be that, very determined. A doctor. A doctor, okay. yes. Yeah. He is working for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, really? Human Resources in Salt Lake, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they were kind of more like my parents, because my parents were so dysfunctional. So I kind of see them as bro mom, or, yeah, sorry, sis mom, bro. Oh, so your oldest siblings were kind of the ones who were really the guiding kind of influences more for you. They were. Why were your parents dysfunctional? They just, they didn't, didn't... Abusive relationship. They just didn't get along and just didn't, didn't, yeah, okay. So that, okay. Well, wait, so you were nine when your parents, that means your parents had a lot of kids, like, in, like, 12 years or something, and then they got, they split up. And then well, right. it was two years between most of us, so it actually oh. was 20 years of marriage. My mom was 20. Okay. She started having, she was having kids from, like, 20 to, age 20 to 40. Wow. So. And then after, like, the last kid, they, they split up, right? Pretty much, yeah. Oh. She was very young. She doesn't really Dang. remember much of our father at all. Really? Yeah, she was four when he passed. So your mom never remarried, or? No. 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 Why is that? Did she say why? She's just like done with, done with guys. <laughs> just no more. She had her drama. spell of dating. I feel like she married young, so she didn't fully live out her early years. So I feel like once the divorce happened and he was gone, she kind of acted like a college person because she went back to school after he died so she was working going to school and then most of us well my oldest brother and sister had carried on to college they were both going to BYU actually and so one of my older sisters and myself kind of became parents while my mom was out living a college life so you became kind of like a parent and your mom is like in her 40s or something and kind of living like a college Uh, interesting Yep, wow. she went out to dance a couple of times a week, and then she had to study a lot and work. So she actually was a janitor for the church while she was going to school. And yeah. then she'd study there because it was quiet instead of being at home with all of us kids. 
So she was, like, avoiding the whole family situation, you know? I mean, well, she kind of had to, to to study, right? I mean, it was, it was, I mean, right? I mean, some of it's expected. Right. Yeah. So it was that mentality, like, we're sacrificing for her to get her education so yeah. she can better support us. Yeah. But we were angry kids. We talked about it all the time. Yeah. Let's just be mad. honest. We were mad. Resentful. <laughs> Very. At your mom, mostly? Oh, yeah. At your dad, too, I guess, because he was gone, right? Yeah, it was more towards her, though, because she was alive, and we could still blame her on things, you know? Wow. But she's apologizing. She acknowledges it. Like, her hearing this wouldn't phase her. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's all it's all better now then. Yeah, we yeah. we've talked about it. She's she's we've made amends, should we say? Cool, and you're and you're pretty on good terms with the rest of your uh, younger siblings, I guess, too. I mean, they're you know, it's all. Yeah, we're pretty... really close. I think the trials brought us really close. I, I think considering we're, we're very spread out in the United States, but we still keep in touch, and our conversations are meaningful. So. Yeah? yeah. You go back home much for to Kalamazoo? I or? don't. Your mom still lives out there, right? And your, she does. Some of your family is there? Or? Yes, yeah. I have um, my oldest sister is still there, and then I have two other siblings and my mom in Michigan. So your mom was from Michigan, but your dad was from Utah. They're both so. actually from Utah, and my dad got a job for this pharmaceutical company, Upjohn. Upjohn, um, I've, yeah. I've, the name, I'm sure I've seen it on labels of yeah. medications and stuff, right? So he worked for them. Yes, yes. They had a decent-sized company at cool. the time in Kalamazoo. And that just the family just kind of stayed out in, in Kalamazoo. But Kalamazoo now, I mean, the jobs there. I mean, Michigan's always in the news is like as being a place has been losing jobs. Is it kind of have that feeling in Kalamazoo as well, or not? As oh yeah, much? it's pretty bad. It's really bad. They haven't done well at sustaining the economy there. Yeah. I don't know all the logistics, but yeah, it's like incentives to get people to live there. Is if you go to college all four years at Kalamazoo, yeah. you get a full ride. If you get, I think there's other stipulations to it, but you can get a full ride to college in Michigan at the state or really? university. Yeah. And that's what you did. You so you went to school in Kalamazoo, right? That's where you, For st- you my started. High school, Your yeah. high school was in Kalamazoo, and then you started doing the art and the sculpture there. Right. And were your teachers like cool? Did they get it? And your friends, they got they got the power of your art, or they it? did. I actually had an art teacher. I took photography from Candace Brown, and she was yeah. one of those teachers who went above and beyond. She really was um, like a mentor to me, and she really believed in me. And thanks mm-hmm. to her, she helped me get college applications done, and she helped me get a scholarship to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Cool. So then you went to Art Institute of Chicago. Correct. For school. Correct. And so I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts there. From Chicago. How was Chicago at the time? Amazing. It's a great place. It's yeah. like very flooded with artists, really amazing people. And it was wonderful having access to the art gallery every day. And we got special receptions to exhibitions. One of my favorite was Monet. It was amazing to see. Oh yeah, the one, the one like in Ferris Bueller where he's looking at all the dots, right? The dot, that's in Chicago, right? Yeah, yes, right that's the, Renoir though. Oh I mean, shoot, okay, I get, I get, I'm confused. Moneta is kind of uh, like the pointillism, right? Yes. Is that what it's called? Well, yeah, that's what it's called. He does little brush strokes; they're slightly different. I, I mean, I've been to like museums. I don't know anything about art really. Okay, sometimes I get the artists mixed up. 
Um, and I feel really dumb considering I have a BFA. Like I said, Picasso when it was Van Gogh, so it happens. Picasso, Van Gogh. Um, <laughs> I so so you're in Chicago. You're doing the whole art thing. Um, good social scene too, Chicago. Definitely. Like yeah, yeah, Midwesterners. I feel like people are pretty down to earth. It's easy to yeah make friends. I was at an art school, so there's a lot of drug consumption. A lot of there drugs. And, uh, a lot of drugs. Huh? Yeah. A lot of crazy stuff. I mean, art school. It's got to be you know pretty. My, my actually, my older sister. She went to art school in oh, Los okay. Angeles. Oh, cool. So you're in Chicago. Is uh, so you liked it there? Did you think about staying there? Did you stay there for a while after school? Or I stayed there a year after, but I was ready to move on because at that point, I, I knew that I wanted to do art therapy after I had graduated. So I just looked into different schools, and I knew. I just felt so good about George Washington that it was a good fit. So you came right after. So you got in. So you're here living in D.C. for a year. Was D.C. a big change from Chicago for you? Oh, for the so better? so much. Oh really? <laughs> was it a good change or did you? It, it was a great change yeah. for me. I think it was what I needed because I was so off on the artist spectrum that I needed to be tamed in a way. Yeah, yeah. So DC is not a super art friendly city really. It's, not at all. So I learned how to be diplomatic here. Let's diplomatic. say that. More academic, more very much so. I'm wow. still a work in progress in that area, but I think I'm kinda more on middle ground though, so Yeah, I would say I mean like of all like the major cities in this country, I mean DC's probably the least art friendly about like oh, like of like of like the main big cities like <laughs> yeah. you know like 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 compared to like New York, LA, San Francisco, Chicago. I mean I don't know Boston, Seattle. I mean all these like even like Detroit or something like that. Like it just seems like there's just there's not much of an organic art scene and it doesn't really. I mean it seems like like yeah there's some of, like there's a, it's a bit and people kind of feel like there's a need for it and there's groups that kind of push it and I guess I think it's been growing the last 10, 20, 15 years or whatever. But. Uh, it just seems like the least art. Yeah. <laughs> for I, 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 like it's not a city that artists naturally flock to. I think. I don't know. Oh, it's a storm. It's kind of, do you have any ideas of why that is, or is that just that's just how it is? Just because the whole government's here, and you know. I would assume so. Yeah, I would just yeah. assume it's just D.C. This is where you come for politics and. <clears throat> so. Um, so you went here to school, and then um, did you you served a mission also? I did. Yes. When, when was that? So that was before <coughs> Chicago or after Chicago? It was in the middle of it. Take a drink of water. No, it's it's fine. That's what it's here for. Oh yeah, yeah. This these are like pictures from uh, travels and stuff. It's a lot of pictures of me. It's kind of feel kind of weird. It's kind of very. Well, you're saying you in the no. <laughs> What's that? I like it though. It's that pouty face on it. Well, that, no, that's hilarious. because of the sun. There's, like, a picture of the sun is in my eye. I have very, like, my eyes get very hurt very easily by the sun, and so that's what it is. It's it's not like I'm angry or anything like that. But a lot of pictures, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, squinting. Like, even here, like, I can barely do that face because, like, like, only I can hold it for a second because then the sun, like, makes my face, like, like, I don't hurt a lot. My eyes, so I have to shut my eyes. But, like, yeah, it's pain. It's pain. Except for, like, like here, it's, like, cloudy. But no, these are other pictures. Like I took these. Like this is Lima. That's Chile. Cool. Wait, where'd you serve your mission at? Santiago. Oh, Santiago, Chile. Yep. So yeah, I went there last um, December. How was how was Santiago? Good. Awesome. Are you recording now? Yeah, we're recording. It's going. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all recording. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. 
So you um, served a mission in Santiago, Chile? I served a mission in Santiago, Chile, yes. So in the middle of my schooling, I was in my sophomore yeah. year. No, I, I finished my sophomore year. Probably not a lot of art students that were doing missions, huh, that you knew, right? In Chicago, or do you know? No, there weren't. Yeah. <laughs> there were hardly any LDS people in the Chicago area. Yeah, and at your school, you're probably like one of maybe one, just a couple maybe? Or? One of zero. I of don't zero. know of any there, others. There was no others? There could have been. I just wasn't aware of them. Did you like? Did the other students get it? Were they like, you were like, hey, I'm going to Chile. I'm going to you know do a mission for my church. Did they get it, or were they like, what are you doing? They actually, they were really supportive. They were like, cool. Yeah, yeah, because art students, right? They're gonna be like, yeah, Open-minded. that's great. Yeah, like good, yeah. good. You know. Cool. That's exactly what they were like. I felt like they were like, hey, if that's what you want, man, you know, that's so cool. You gotta live your life. Do what that's you right. do. Doing good. You know, find the balance. Find the peace. That's right? right. Find your peace. So yeah, it was neat. The only hard part was I had a really great, significant other, and it was a very nice oh, relationship. So you left. I left. You left him behind. I did, and it was hard because I really did love him, but I hadn't had the maturity to like actually Dang. tell somebody, you tell that person that. So did, I just, you did. You did. You did love him. I did, but I didn't. You didn't want to tell him that. Know how to say it. Or Did he tell marriage. you that? Did he say it to you? No, he didn't. But I think we. Right. No, he was very sweet though. He gave me a wonderful, going away present. It was hard for both of us, and I didn't ask for him to wait. So I don't know what the yeah. possibility would have been, but that was the hardest part of leaving. And uh, so, so you got a chin. Did he? Did you guys write each other for a while? And? For a little bit. But it was difficult because there was a lag of when he'd send me stuff and when I'd get stuff back because he was like a thoughtful. week or two weeks yeah, or something. Yeah, and so right? I think he thought like South America. people were holding on to it and not wanting to have it. But it was just problems with mail. So yeah, things ended. While you were like by by letter, you guys ended it. Well, no, we did in person. I was After? didn't expect him to wait for me. So before I left, I ended things with. Oh, him. before you left, you ended. You the relation. It. But then you kept on writing a little bit. Or, yeah, or, yeah, or, on occasion as friends, but there was still feelings. Dang. So that was so that was hard, I guess, to kind of get into the whole missionary thing. It was. Like, that yeah. was probably one of the bigger struggles. Um, but when I was there, I really submersed myself in it and was really yeah. committed to the people and connecting with them. And I think that was a huge factor of why I chose to go into counseling. Yeah. So just being with people and hearing their stories and um, feeling good when I'm making a difference in someone's life in that way. It was obviously for proselyting and for the gospel, which can bring yeah. a great joy and light to people's lives. Um, so now I do it in a way that's non-religious with art. Were you, which cities were you, was Valparaiso in your mission? No, we yeah. were only in a small section of... Santiago, Santiago Este is what they call it. So oh. I was in Providence, Nunoa, very wealthy areas. There were some lower income areas. Oh, like Los Condes and like yes, those like really nice exactly. places. Exactly. Yes, yeah, so that's like where like all like the rich, like the expats and all of the wealthy Santiago and Pinochet, Pinochet, famous tennis player. I forget his name, but yeah, I was in very wealthy areas. Oh, when you were there, Pinochet was still alive, or was he, like, dead? No, he was, he was He was still alive? But he was in jail, and then he died, I I don't know, sometime after. Yeah, he was still alive. Pinochet, he was, like, the dictator of Chile in the 70s until 80s, and, uh, I mean, he was a very controversial 
kind of figure. Right. Cause now, now they hate him in Chile. Basically, he's basically like a really bad guy, right? I mean, I mean, because all the all the human rights abuses and killing people, right? And stuff, right. <laughs> right. There were some positive outcomes, some would yeah. say, from his conduct, but a lot of um, questionable ways of getting to that. Right. Right. So um, yeah, well, it's yeah, so it's hard to go on a mission, I think, and, and with with the relationship. I think one advantage, I think, um, about the age. They, they they changed the age. So it used to be like as a guy you could go at nineteen to, as a missionary, right. and a girl you could go at twenty one. So you went when you're about twenty one, right? Correct. About about. Yeah, I mean, like I, the thing is, like if you're a guy, like the chance you're actually going to be in like a meaningful, good relationship at nineteen is fairly low. Because if you're like an awkward weirdo kid in high school, you're probably not. You know, at nineteen, you're probably still going to be kind of awkward and weird, and maybe just kind of starting to get normal by the time you go on your mission. So by the time you get back, maybe you can kind of normalize enough. But as a girl, I mean. You know, by 2021, I mean, that's like, you can be very well together, you know, have it together and develop a very good relationship, I think, by, by 21, I think. But So I think, yeah, that's one thing that's hard. So now with the new mission age being like 18 and 19, it's almost like a lot more, um, I don't know, a lot, a lot similar, I think you're thinking out loud. I don't know, that's yeah, an yeah. interesting thought. No, I, li I, I like that. I, I like that idea. Or just the fact that like, they can even develop a skill set that will help them in relationships and have more meaningful and solidified relationships at an earlier age. So that's kind of a oh, you mean people that are going now, like right? At the younger they're age? starting earlier, so before yeah. they get in some maybe unhealthy relationship on their mission, they're building these really good skill sets of how to be in a companionship, how to communicate with someone, yeah. how to stick to a rigorous schedule. That's hard, yeah. And I, I, I've like, I don't, I don't even know how relationships work like in a positive way. But uh, I know they work in a negative way a lot. And uh, I think it's not doing those things is definitely part of it. You know, not doing what you say you're gonna do, lying, changing your mind infrequently, using no logic. I mean, these are all things that are bad for relationships. But the underlying yes. causes are maybe a little more complicated to get to, right? Like why? Why do you impulse? What? Why do I, you know, not keep my word, or why do I, you know, keep people at distance? That's another thing. A lot of times people do, right? They try to keep them at distance, like with humor, or like by not giving a real answer, or just blowing people off, you know, in little ways, or maybe even like it can be someone you're dating, you can blow them off. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can you can just be like keeping the person at distance. You never allow yourself to be emotionally vulnerable, right? I'm just making all this stuff up as I'm going. I, 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 hey, I, I think, I think, I think you're on point. I think your <laughs> tangent about this is just so, on point. So you got back from the mission. You know, you finished in Santiago, Chile. Um, Chile is great, by the way. Valparaiso. You never went to Valparaiso, though. No, it's but such a cool I, city. yeah, I've heard. Such a cool city, but Santiago is a pretty I've cool city too. Heard it every day. How I'm missing out. <laughs> it's like this weird mix of like you know San Francisco, Barcelona, Paris, but um, Santiago is a cool city too. I mean, um, I don't know. It's got the Andes. It's, it's a little it bit is. polluted, but you know, it's, it's cool. That's true. Just because of that valley, it just holds in that smog. But yeah, it's a very gorgeous place. It's yeah. Got to go up to the mountains a few times. Maybe. I just saw this movie called Colonia. It's um, it's it's about like. Oh, I started watching it. Did you? Yeah. I didn't did you get bored? It. Yeah, I can only take like small doses of it because I like to unwind and I have to think. Yeah, well, like it's scary. It's like about the whole like 1973 coup right. when Pinochet, the military, took over, right. and then there's like this 
flight attendant who's visiting her boyfriend who's like a political activist and you know it's all like like the kind of Che Guevara like he's like you know fighting for the people kind of thing and he's for but they get they get caught and they get sent away to this like tiny little penal camp or some kind of camp to kind of re-educate them or something and and then um, this girl Emma Watson goes to rescue the, the, the guy, right? Did you get that far? No, I didn't. didn't. I got. Oh, okay, I, I'm okay. at the very beginning, so don't be a spoiler. Oh but, um, shoot! Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, I got no. to the part where he gets picked up. Like the drama is happening. Yeah. Okay. The very um, beginning where she's like screaming, "Don't take him!" Blah blah blah, and trying to find him. Oh, okay. So you got was mostly the happy part, and then it starts to get to yeah. the scary. Okay. It doesn't get like intensely. I mean, it's definitely weird um, a bit, um, and I can see why the movie didn't do ter- incredibly great at the box office, just because it's a little bit too long. Unless you like, you've lived in, Ch- unless you have like a connection to that, right? And you're in, like, you, you've been to Chile or like you know the history. I, I don't think it's really going to connect well with people. It's just a little too um, abstract. I think it's you know. Yeah. yeah, they didn't do that good a job of the storyline either. It's like they're wanting you to be attached to the characters before you really have much context of them. Like, you see their intimate relationship way too soon, and I don't even really care about the characters at that point or their relationship. So I just feel like wow. they didn't build the characters well at the beginning that I would care about them. So anyways, let's just... My film opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting... If you're interested in that period of, like, right-wing military dictatorships or Chile or whatever, it's going to be an interesting movie. But uh, outside of that... Or you're just a big fan of Emma Watson, maybe, or, or the other actors yeah, in there. I mean, she's, she's pretty famous, I guess. She's cute. <laughs> she's easy on the eyes. Um, so what... I guess going into relationships, though, so how, how did you start getting into this art therapy? Or, or let's just, like, what... Before we talk about the art project, I mean, what is it people do wrong in relationships? So, I was jokingly saying to somebody yesterday, they're like, why did you choose therapy? And I said, because I had a messed up childhood, so I decided I wanted to work with people. So it's you, you're trying to figure out your own stuff. Well, I did. I felt like I have. I mean, I still have to... Some of my behaviors are impact are influenced by what has happened to me, but every day is like making myself aware of that and figuring those things out. But anyways, I for myself in the art, so just kind of trying to tie everything in. While I was in my undergrad, I kept yeah. repeatedly doing images of the Madonna or a mother child. Madonna, that's the the Catholic like with the. Sacred Heart, like she's sitting there with the child, right? Right. Like, right? Or Mary, Mary, and the baby. Mary and the baby. Basically, okay. a baby and a mother, a child and a mother. So I do repeatedly art pieces like that, unknowingly. Like I really didn't pick it out. But I, I went to GW for my interview, and they're like, "Oh, we noticed there's a lot of Madonnas." And I, yeah. And and they didn't probe that much because it was inappropriate but they just said I wonder what that's all about and that was like oh my goodness this is so why I'm doing this because lack of nurture my mom wasn't present so all of that she was gone was in the artwork of like yeah your siblings and you had to become like your mom you had to fulfill the role of your mom for yourself right and so I'm saying nurture me nurture me in my artwork I need to be nurtured so you and your like you acquired these skills of therapy and like I guess part of that was discovering you know hey I need this nurturing and then now you want to like help other people that might have a similar struggle exactly right. so because I felt 
vacant of nurture. I want to provide nurture to these children who, who grow up in difficult situations and help their parents understand what's going on. So to I be their mom? Or just like, just kind of fulfill a nurturing need? Or, or do you see yourself kind of as like playing like the mother for some of your clients? No, I don't want to play the mother. I mean, no. maybe when I was more green in the field and, and experienced, yeah. I might be trying to overcompensate. But as a seasoned clinician, yeah. that is nothing but my. Because I, I, I don't get that sense. That. Like, I don't get that sense from you. You're trying to like replace them or be that. You're just trying to like fulfill the need more. They're right, trying to like, yeah. Sorry, nurture their emotional distress is what I'd say. So my my goal is to help the parents not to get out of those unhealthy patterns or whatever is creating that emotional distress for the kids. So I really work hard with parents who are wanting to change their ways where that might be an issue, discord with the mother or father. Yeah. But yeah, I work mostly with the Hispanic community because I am bilingual. So, so you're speaking in Spanish in most, most of your clients. Which That's is also cool. really neat because I'm working these fathers that are Hispanic and have taken on a whole new role where if you know the background of these cultures, like it's uncommon that they're Machismo, gonna... right? It's yeah, like the machismo. Tough, the tough, like yes. male kind of dominant role, right? Yes. A, a, bit, a bit of chauvinism that's probably not as common in contemporary culture in the U.S., exactly. right? Yes, and their willingness to come into therapy, their willingness to hear how their daughter feels. I work mostly with females, sometimes males, but... So you do, is it art, always art therapy then? Like you're always like kind of doing, or is it just with, that with some people that, that are into that Great question. Do? Yeah. Um, I, it's only with some people. Not okay. all of my clients are into art. So I, I have a gamut of interventions that I use. So yeah. cognitive behavioral therapy is the most popular. Cognitive behavior. And that's like me just asking questions like, hey, what do you do? How do you feel when you, this happens? Okay, let's talk about these feelings. What are positive things to do with these feelings? Is that... Yeah, no. it's more talking and charting out your feelings, so okay. a lot of thought process. Okay, interesting. But then you've started doing this whole art thing to kind of you've started kind of integrating that. Called the DDS, it's an ass diagnostic assessment. Yeah. Uh, another one is draw a person picking an apple, and they develop this feet skill like based on. Yeah. All these different factors of the way they. Just use by art. drawing an app, someone picking an apple. Yeah. So if I drew one right now, what could you say about me? I could, I could draw an apple right now. I could draw an apple. And well, you have to have Mr. Sketch markers and a specific oh, size I don't of have paper, it. Oh. 11, 11 by 17. Okay, okay like, like, there's a kid. Oh, uh, I, uh, man, I don't even know what. Reaching close his hands, picking an apple of the tree. Okay, what's wrong with me? <laughs> okay, based upon this. Okay, so I could say you aren't, you haven't achieved the apple. You haven't. Oh, dang it. Yeah, you're right. It's the notion that I'll eventually get it, but you haven't actually reached it. You only have a couple apples on there. Well, there's a lot of apples on the tree. Oh, but, I mean, maybe it's like falling down, though. Like, it's like he's going to jump up to get it, maybe. Like, I'll jump up and grab it. Like, it's just, but he's just like getting ready. Yeah, it's just something I would look at, and based oh. on the feeds, I would determine. That's <laughs> interesting, though. Because someone though. has a ladder, and the ladder, they crawl up, 
to get the apple. Like, you say, oh, they have great problem-solving skills. Or you okay. see if someone stretches, like, and makes an arm, like, super long. It's like, oh, that's, un- that's unrealistic. They have unrealistic expectations. Right. Like, maybe they could probably use, like, more problem-solving skill area development. But in mine, like, the guy, he's not that far from the apple. So he could probably, like, his arms, like, he could probably jump up and grab it, though. Like, it's not, like... Right. It's not impossible. It just it just it needs some extra effort, and maybe maybe problem solving. Like I didn't think to put uh, a ladder, but uh, maybe well, I'm only thinking about getting a few apples. I'm not thinking about getting all the apples. I'm right. just like, oh, I'm just gonna grab an apple or two because that's all I need. So and you seem very hopeful. Like, well, he's gonna get the apple. Hope is gonna get me things in life. Well, and some effort too. I mean, well, I mean, how many apples do you need, right? I mean, you didn't define like is he is he build, is he making a pie or is he just trying to grab an apple? I mean, because when you said get an apple, I'm thinking he just needs one. So that, so in my defense, I, I mean, I think he's just going. For well, you are all tall too, so you probably. I mean, maybe it's easy for you to reach up and grab stuff. Grabbing stuff has never been that hard for me, actually. So, okay. I, in fact, that's one area I do fairly well in, grabbing stuff. Um, that's one of my core competencies, I'd say, actually. I see. Pick, grabbing stuff that's up on high, high shelves. Um, amazing. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, and just about relationships, I guess. What, what What is it? What's wrong with people, like, dating, I, I guess, you know? Um, we could talk about dating in the Mormon world. If you want to talk about that, or no, just dating relationships in general. What, what's 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 wrong with people? What do people? What are the mistakes people make? Um, as it relates to my profession, or just my opinion, because I don't do as much. Well, I guess opinion, opinion that's informed by your profession. I guess, I, I guess, that, that, how's that informed? Like, what, what is it that people? What are the mistakes, and what what are the? I feel that. We all have something that happens in our life that impacts our way of being. So it depends on a stage in our life. It could be in our early childhood, it could be in our adolescent years, or in our adulthood. Yeah. And that happening can impact how we function in relationships. So for me, this is my story, and I've been telling it more just as I'm coming to more awareness of it or discovery as, as some people would say. Um, so mine is daddy issues, abandonment, he left me. So I have this mentality that anytime I care about somebody they're gonna leave me. So what do you think happens in my relationships? People leave. Exactly. So self-fulfilling prophecy. I get afraid. I'm yeah. like, I have my, I'm like, great. They, they're into me. I'm on like two, three dates, four dates, maybe, maybe even a little bit further in. Yeah. And then I get nervous. When are they going to leave me? I care about them. And so, and even unknowingly, I feel like I start functioning like a 10-year-old, even though I'm not Because really that's when your dad left. Exactly. So you're stuck in the exactly. mindset. Yeah. Correct. So that's that's my story of thinking like yeah. so I might not even outwardly do stuff, but that's how I'm feeling inside and I feel like humans communicate in so many different ways that we have no idea and then next thing you know, I never hear from that guy again. So there it is. Doesn't even say goodbye, just like my dad never said goodbye. So that's just one of my theories, and I see maybe for somebody else, they had a really 
um, meaningful relationship with someone, say some woman, and they're very smitten with that person, and she did something hurtful, and they can't get over that. They see all women as that person. They think they're going to do exactly the same, so they're stuck. They might start dating other people, and then that woman does something that triggers him to remind her of the previous that he really loved and just runs away because he doesn't want to get hurt. So these are just examples. I mean, but, like, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, I... All that definitely does happen, and uh, you know, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to grow out of it, I guess, uh, in a sense, like to move past it. But what, I mean, what's the answer, though? I mean, like, just mentally trying not to think about it. I mean, what do you? What do you well, I think the biggest piece is awareness of what I'm doing. Like, as soon as I can catch it, like, oh, I'm starting to really care about this person. Up there comes bubbling up those insecurities. That ten-year-old girl, like, let me talk about it. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at right now because I haven't found a relationship where I've been able to develop or get to that point. And say, really? Hey. What about the guy you were like almost engaged to or whatever? Like when you're mission or whatever, right? You guys weren't. Oh, you were. You 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 loved him, but you guys weren't yeah. engaged or whatever. Oh. Yeah. No. So after that, you, you never had a relationship that was, like, close to... I've had other relationships, yes. I've had a handful of relationships. So... Did you, you, they were close to, like, getting married, or...? Yes, or, I've been engaged. You got engaged. What happened? So when I don't really love someone or I'm not threatened by them, by the vulnerability, because I can be myself, and I have a handful of people who have been interested in marrying me, but I haven't been interested back in them. And there's been reasons why, but I'd stay in the relationship because it fed. It was safety. It was safe, exactly. It was safe, and I knew it wouldn't work as a marriage. There were a number of reasons, but because of that safety. So I wasted a lot of time, but then when I'd find the people that weren't safe, that were probably the ones that Dangerous. Dangerous. It's the bad boy, the bad boy, the dating, dating the bad boy. Oh, not dangerous. Not the bad boy, oh. Actually a great quali- qualified and quality person, but because I'd become so scared and insecure, I was not myself, so that's when they'd leave me. So you date the people who are more safe because you feel better about it, and you know it's kind of like they're not going to yes. hurt you because you're not going to have to feel exactly. that. Wow. And I act in myself because... I, there wasn't no threats for me there. I mean, if they left me, I'd be like, okay. And not to say that I didn't still feel hurt by the loss of those relationships, but yeah, yeah, bigger picture. No, I mean, you felt something. It wasn't like you disliked the, the guys, right? I mean, it's like, right, really, but exactly. you just didn't. You didn't there feel were things that on, I cared and loved about. But each you didn't of those feel people. like on parity or on par with what exactly. the guys were feeling, and that right. is why. Wow. That's tough, though. It's tough, like, actually being engaged to that person. I used to have an ability, actually, I felt like I could, um, 
like uh, when I was like 22, 23, 24, I felt like I could tell because a lot of my friends were getting engaged. <laughs> and it was always like, you know, friends getting engaged and stuff was getting broken off sometimes too. And um, I felt like I had this ability where I could like look at a couple and I could figure out how into each other they were. <laughs> and I could predict whether it was actually going to work or not. And I, I did it one time, like I saw this couple sitting, I saw the guy completely turned over, like he was completely facing towards the girl. And the girl was kind of just sitting there next to him, like almost just like facing straight forward, like barely even turned towards the guy. And I was like, look at that right there. Like, he is way into that girl, and she's like just barely into him. And um, they got engaged for like a month and then broke it off. She broke it, the girl broke it off. And I was like, oh yeah, I have an ability. I mean, it was maybe a little more luck, but um, I don't know if I have that ability anymore. (laughs) But yeah. I I think, like you're saying, we're observant, and sometimes we see a lot of little things and don't even know how to put into words. But yeah. Yeah. Those behaviors, perfect example. I did the same. I used to film weddings, tons of weddings, and myself and the photographer would usually guess like how long we thought the marriages would last based on those interactions <laughs> at the wedding like ceremonies. Just, so you threw that in free of charge, huh? Right, you guys right. So you were paid to go in and like pho- pho- photograph the wedding, and uh, then you added your like prediction for success free of charge. That's very nice. The wedding staff to get like in You there. might want to get counseling if you want to save this marriage. Weddings have to be some of the most fun events to work at. I mean, well, even just to go to weddings, like they're pretty fun if you're not like the person involved. I, I assume, because all that stress, like, yes. not, not just the bride and the groom, but, like, the family and all that stuff that's, like, involved in the organization. If you're just there as a guest, like, if the food is good, like, weddings are pretty fun. Like, I, the ones that I've been to, at least, like, they just, I don't know, it's such a carefree environment. Um, mm. Except for the people, I think, that are in there. So the staff, I assume that's pretty fun, too, to kind of just yeah, make yeah. fun of people. And memories, <laughs> yes. Was it accurate, though? How, how accurate was your you know, your, your estimates that you guys would... Well, we haven't kept up on some of them, but I do know that some couples, before the pictures yeah. were even out, they were... <laughs> Basically, oh wow! Yeah. So okay, and you did at least there was, some there of those were, were ones that were like, yeah, the, you were yeah. like, yeah, this one's not gonna last, and, yeah. and like a few months later, they they got wow. Yep. Not bad. What, what were the key signs? What what is what? Oh. It, I mean, I know I only know some of them, but I, I don't really know all the. What would you look for? I think for, your story was a perfect one. Like you saw how he was looking at her, like I love her so much, and she's staring off into the distance. Clearly not engaging with him it wasn't there i mean yeah she was giving back like minimal like uh, reciprocation well oh gosh your screenplay we got to talk oh we got to we got to mention this screenplay you just wrote a big screenplay about foster care so what's I did. yeah what's the deal with foster care and why why have you taken on this uh, so journey well i think it ties into that whole a huge thing is attachments like i'm fascinated with foster care because it's about loss a lot mm-hmm. of grief and loss and that creates a lot of attachment issues so some people like h- however it is it's hard for them to attach to people so in working with a foster care population I just fell in love with them in the way that I have so much empathy for them because they lost their family yeah. and it's such an innate thing to want like everybody wants a two-parent home and a loving home and when that doesn't happen it creates so many problems for a person so there's just layers and layers of things to say about the system in regards to foster care whether it's doing worse than good i have stories where kids have flourished in foster care and been successfully adopted i have other stories where they've been from 
place to place and the foster homes were yeah. just did a huge disservice and actually caused more harm to those children than good. Right. I mean, some people might just be doing it strictly for the financial incentive, yes. right? Just to get a few hundred bucks to take care of kids. For, yes. You know, yes. Yeah. Do it for revenue. Foster parents is what I call them. Yeah. Which is sad. And I wish we could get rid of all of them. So. Yeah. When my parents got married, actually, they lived in Seattle, like right in um, downtown, the city of Seattle. Uh, and it was right when like the whole busing program was were going on. Um, that was starting in Seattle uh, in like the 1970s but they lived right next to um, this house where like this lady had like 10 kids that were all in foster care and she didn't really really take care of them it was just kind of for revenue <laughs> I think and it was very unfortunate because the kids would go around and like, they'd break windows and you know shoot BB guns and do all kinds of stuff and um, this like lady that had them just didn't really even do hardly anything to really you know yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of and I think people should put red flags automatically if people have a bunch of foster care kids. Like, it's they all have issues. Well, I, I take that back. They don't all have issues, but yeah. many of the kids that uh, are in the system, they've experienced a lot of trauma, which causes behavior problems, and they need later. so much attention. Or, or, yeah, even, or, even, or even probably currently or concurrent or whatever yeah. with that, yeah. And sometimes they'll be such a docile child as well. They get put into the system and they just lash out because they're so angry or because yeah. it is finally a safe environment and they have this anger that they were subduing while they were in an abusive, unsafe home. But it just was there. So, so, so your so your scream so those are a lot of the issues you have with the foster care system. And then your screenplay it, it's about it's about a woman who tries to get back her kids out of the foster care system. Yes, right? yes. So yeah. wanting to highlight more the the parent actually. Yeah. Her fighting to get her kids back and showing these generational problems, dysfunctional systems, dysfunctional families and how they carry on and how what her story is and how it impacted her functioning as a parent and like how you see this new generation coming up her kids and uh, trying to highlight those things of how can people change how can even though they grow up in a certain environment not allow that to influence the way they behave that they can be their own that they can really be a powerful person and change mindsets and that's the movie that's a screenplay right i mean i guess she's, yeah she's so it's about her fighting to get her kids back yeah yeah and how it impacted impacts her her significant other how she has support from a friend and how it impacts the kids and then it also involves the foster mom and the social worker and kind of their role and their experience in it as well and is there's a happy ending to it, or is it, or do people need to wait to see? I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't want to okay. say what happens. Well, if you need any people for like parts, maybe like extras or crew, you know, I could be like a angry police officer, or judge maybe, or administrator you, maybe, or, or maybe there's a person walking on the street that's like in the background. Thank you. You know, yeah, blur, like be an extra for sure. Yeah, like someone just walking, like you can't really see their face that well. You just kind of see them walking, like oh, person wearing clothes walking by. As long like, as you know it was you in the movie. That's right. I mean, I could point it out and be like, that blurry face, the head, yeah, that that's me. You know, and people are like, yeah, I can kind of see that. Not really, you know, but they can sort of tell yeah. it to me. Like, at least that'd be good enough. Um, yes. Cool. Well, when is it coming out? Are you? What, what's the next step? The next step is to find funding and then a production company. So a lot of hard work needs to be done, but we really want to take it to Sundance. That's a goal. We, meaning Xanthia Johnson, she's been 
partnering with me on this since the beginning. Awesome. So Sundance is the goal, and uh, I guess are you gonna put on like YouTube or some kind of thing like that too, or? Well, from there we'll see if it gets picked up because okay. if it wins awards, then it can get bought. But if not, we see if people want to buy it, and it could be put on, potentially on Netflix or other things or YouTube. Cool. Um, I like it. I think it's great. It's great work, and um, it's been really interesting talking to you, um, uh, Andrea. So thanks, thanks for talking. Likewise. Anything else you need to plug in here? No. no? Okay. It. All right. Thanks, everyone. Oh wait, how can they find you if they're interested in your um, services? For yes, just uh, Google you or you can Google me and our website for it's called Disruptions. And it's at disruptionsdocumentary.com. Disruptionsdocumentary.com. All right, awesome. Um, all right, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you'd like to hear more episodes of the Marcast, we discuss everything. I talk to very interesting people. You can listen to more episodes on iTunes, SoundClouds, or Stitcher. And uh, the intro and outro music is provided by Jerry Fenn.